0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back once again to the Inside the Life Non League Football podcast. This week, I talk to Alex Winter, formerly of the Crystal Palace Academy, now currently at Eastleigh. We discuss his playing career, his upbringing, what got him into football, what he's currently doing at Eastleigh, and how he's recovering from injury, his blog Fly on the Ball, and how it's helped himself and other players. And that's all to come on this episode of Inside the Life with Alex Winter. I very much appreciate you for coming on. So, Alex, welcome to the Inside the Life non-league football podcast. Um, hope you're well. So we'll just take you quickly from, from the very top. And um, usually what I do is, is just a little brief overview of your time in football and, and where it all started. If Feel, feel free to shoot off.
1: Um, so, yeah, I joined Palace at the age of nine. I was just playing grassroots football. I um, until that age. I went for a trial at Crystal Palace. Um, and at that age, I didn't really want to leave um, my grassroots. I didn't want to leave my mates. And I probably didn't give it my all in that first six weeks trial. I ended up not getting signed. Um, went back to grassroots level when I got another chance at Palace a few months later. And my dad sort of sat me down and just said, look, this is a big chance. Just give it your all. I did. I got signed. And I was at Palace from oh, nine to 21, so 12 years I was there, all the way through, made my first team debut um, at 16, which was a nice one. And yeah, so my whole upbringing was really at Palace, um, which was class.
0: You say it's taken on at nine, you know, you spent a little a few loans out of, say, Eastbourne, Sutton United, I've got we in here, Colchester, several clubs. I mean, being from, from the Croydon area, is it, was it a case of you know, being a Palace fan from a young age? And, you know, you say you didn't want to leave your mates in Sunday League, but when you got there, did it feel... How did that feel joining even at, at that young age?
1: You know, even at that age, you know the privilege of joining an academy. is every young boy's and girl's dream or well, pretty much everyone's dream to go and play football for a professional club. So, um, you know, I think in that, my school there was only me and another boy, um, one of my best mates who was at Charlton at the time. So only us two sort of in that academy setting and we knew the importance of it and the fortunate position that we was in because you know we had loads of mates who wanted to play football but didn't quite ever enter the academy system so yeah you know as soon as you stepped into the building you knew the you knew how um, lucky you was and fortunate to be in such a great position.
0: It's kind of taking you back a little bit but you know what how how is the vibe of an academy setting compared to your professional life now with you know, as a 27, 28 year old, what things are very different as academy? Is it, is it like a pushy lifestyle or is it more laid back because of your age? But again, you are aware of the importance of what this could lead to.
1: The main difference is, you know, when you, when you turn 16, 18, when you're, in the, you're a scholar, um, you're a full-time football, it's, it's all results based. When you're in the academy, it's, it's, perform, it's all about your performance. Um, you're playing to earn contracts, you know, win, lose or draw. You're judged on your performances, not the result. And at the end of the day, you're all there to earn a contract. You're all fighting for that same position. You know, the stats of boys turning for are frightening. So from the jump, you're competing with your teammates. But yeah, the, the atmosphere, you know, it's, it's enjoyable. It, is, it was nice when I was there. I'm not sure what it's like now, but, you know, it's all about nurturing your talents instead of trying to prevent them. So yeah, we was allowed to express ourselves, um, enjoy ourselves. And, you know, fortunately, we was able to do that.
0: I say expressing, you know, developing your talents and, and honing on that. I'd- Doing a little bit of research and, and I was finding out your like school days and youth teams, you are quite a good goal scorer. Hat trick came up quite a lot. I, I was intrigued. As, I mean, what what was the change and who was in charge of the change from you know goal scorer to defender?
1: Well, when I first joined Palace, um, I joined as a striker, you know, everyone wants to score goals and mm. at grassroots level, you know, if you can score goals, the manager's gonna put you up front. So I joined Palace as a striker. I was scoring goals when I first went there. Um, as a nine year old. Um, but I was always quite a big boy, quite tall. You know, you've probably heard it millions of times, you know, because you're taller, you sort of get moved further and further back. So I went center midfield and then by the time maybe 15, I was 15, 16, I was on the verge of defensive midfield and centre half. And you know, at the time I didn't really think anything of it. I just wanted to play football and I trusted the managers and the coaches who were overseeing my progression. I trusted them, you know, they saw something kin me and if I was a striker I might not have gone on to sign my professional contract I might not have had 12 years in full-time football so you know everyone wants to be a striker but at the same time you've got to trust those people in charge and looking after you to make the right decisions for yourself.
0: And who, was, who was your idol growing up then because you say you wanted to be a striker and then you've moved to a defender I mean have you got two separate players you always looked up to in that regard or, or is there one that leans over more?
1: Do you know what I haven't I wouldn't say I've got any idols growing up I was a Chelsea fan so I always liked Marcel Desailly but then as I sort of got older you know I was even though I wasn't a striker anymore I loved Jogba I just loved everything he and he stood for and you know his passion and his goal scoring ability and just yeah so Jogba was always someone I looked at and I thought yeah he's a Quality player, but idols. But idols were more off the pitch, like parents, family members. So I didn't really have any idols within the football world. There was people I, was, I looked up to and sort of thought, yeah, I'd love to have a career like them. But as to say an idol, I'd have to say like my parents were more idols and role models for myself.
0: Speaking on your, on your parents, final little piece about Palace, really. I mean, you've said in um, I believe to so the Palace website was you know you could see the homes they'll stand from your parents' bedroom. Uh, are they big football supporters? Were they are they Palace supporters as well, or is they the ones that really pushed you away from Sunday League into getting into professional clubs?
1: I mean, my dad's massive Palace fan. Um, hmm. My mum's not really a football person. She, um, yeah, she likes a moment when it's on the TV, but you know, she she likes football because me and my brothers love football. So it's been in her life for twenty eight years now, um, or if you include my dad. So yeah, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a case of my dad pushed me and He just made me aware of the opportunity i had in my hands and that i should give it my all and if it's not good enough then that's not good enough but i'd have no regrets and i would look back as i've given it my all and i couldn't complain if i didn't get signed but yeah he just sort of made me realize the opportunity that i had in my hands
0: i say you must've been very proud on the back in 2010 where Sheffield Wednesday obviously you were named on the bench for that palace team in the um, was it, it was FA Cup game wasn't it, it was a league game yeah, it was coming with the FA Cup game i mean you came on late on um, but, I mean, what was the feeling of the day? You know, you're told by Neil Warnock at the time, who will dig into a little bit later, you know, you're on the bench. Is there, is there nerves? Is there just pure excitement? Or is, does it not really sink in until you get home that night?
1: Um, yeah, I think it's more I didn't really sink in, you know. I sort of, I travelled up as a schoolboy, you know, just being on that coach with all them, that, them older senior pros. So I sort of watched on a Saturday from the stand with my old man, sat next to them. I'd been training with them, but still when you're, training and you sat in there just away from football it's completely different and we arrived at the hotel and I was because I was 16 I was too young to share with an adult so I had my own room which was like a funny story I didn't really realize I can hit, hit the jackpot here I've got my own room <laughs> got down to dinner and it was only because I was too young to share mm. with a, a, an adult but yeah going to the day it was a bit of a it's a bit of a weird one really because I was just I thought I was just there to make up the numbers well I was really because the club were going through administration at the time and players had left from the first team so it was a young bench anyway. And for me and my, my dad in the stand or my girlfriend and my best mate, it was I was just happy to be there involved. Um, and then when I think it might be Mick Jones turned around and said, Alex, go and get warm. You're coming on. It was sort of like it didn't hit me. I don't know if it was because I was young or just in the moment. I don't know what it was, but it didn't really sink in until I got on the coach and mm. I was receiving all these text messages, um, phone calls, people saying congratulations. So, yeah, even sitting on the touchline didn't really dawn on me which is surprising because you'd think making your debut at that age, you know, have all sorts of emotions going through your head, but I can't really remember having any.
0: It's probably one of them where he's asked you to warm up and you, you go, in, I, d- I don't know if I'm ready. I don't, I don't think I'm ready, but I'll, I'll do it anyway. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> <Take laughs> do um...
1: <gaffe. Take laughs>
0: you say, Gaff. Speaking of um, speaking of the gaffer, if we could talk a little bit what it was like to work under Neil, because he's obviously he's a legendary manager, isn't he? He's an icon. he's only recently retired as well after just so many years and, and so many achievements. I mean, your experiences under him and, and how he kind of guided you and I assume he's had say in the loan moves that you got as well, and, and when you eventually made you know a couple of starts, etc. I mean, what, what was your experience under him like?
1: Um, well, he was my first first team manager, really. He gave me my debut. He brought me into the first team setup training. Um, like you say, he was at the helm when I went out on loan. And I think I really caught his eye in the youth cup. Um, I was 15, playing in the youth team in the youth cup. Um, we had a couple games. I scored a goal against Bristol City at Sellers Park. And then we went on and played Derby and we had a good run that year. And I think that really helped my cause with him. Um, and then I remember sitting down before I signed, might be my scholar, I had a sc- a one year scholar with a three-year professional contract. And I remember my dad still goes on about it this day. He sat me and my dad down in his office. And my dad said he was just in awe at the way he spoke to me mm. because he didn't speak to me as a manager or a football person. He spoke to me on a level as a human being. And my dad said that really um resonated with him and it really stuck with him all these years later. So my dad's one of them who, you know, no matter what they say about Neil Warnock, he's a legend just because of the way he spoke to me and my dad at 15 years old, Mm -hmm. Um, as if I was a 20-year-old man. Um, So yeah, just his man management and his people skills was unbelievable.
0: Cappuccino are proud to support and sponsor Inside the Life of Non-League Football. Here at Cappuccino, we want to raise awareness and funds for mental health support through our passion for speciality coffee and a simple reminder that self-care is not selfish. Please check us out on Instagram when you get a chance and also if you're ever at a Didcot Town game and why wouldn't you want to be, you'll see us on the shirts as we're proud to be involved with the club as well. Thanks and enjoy the rest of this show. That's the way he he's always got respect in the game, hasn't he? I really? you know he's got people who have gripes with him, but um, I don't i I think he's been brilliant. I think he's been an absolute character in, in football, isn't he? And so speaking onto those onto those loans he sorted, you, you've got to think first of all it was Eastbourne, wasn't it? You you went out to and Fell's between there and Sutton. Colchester we will speak about more, that's right, because that's yeah. where you really seem seemed to go really well for yourself. You wanted to get a permanent move there at the first time of asking. Didn't really happen, did it, at the first time? It fell through a little bit, didn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so um, I joined at the end of the season. I think it was May I joined. No, sorry, April. I joined in April um, for a month loan. Initially, it was just to go and train with a view to go in the next season on loan. Um, they was in a relegation battle and they didn't know if I was ready, which was fair enough, I was a young boy. But I impressed in training and I done well. So I got a chance in games. We managed to stay up. Um, I scored in a 4-1 win against Brentford, We were just being promoted. And that really sealed our safety that year. And I went in and done well and I got on well with the gaffer. So, yeah, the aim was to go back next season. Um, I'm not sure if there was a change of manager at Palace or what happened over the summer, but everyone wanted me to go back to Colchester. Colchester wanted it, I wanted it, my agent wanted it. But for whatever reason, they couldn't agree my wages, you know, how much Colchester would pay. Palace maybe wanted more and there was no agreement found. So I was sort of left in a lurch. So I ended up going to Portsmouth and then I signed for Colchester in the January that year, six months later than I was on a permanent, sorry, compared to. A year loan so you know I feel like football has a way of working its way out life has a way of working its way out and that was just what was meant for me at that time.
0: As, as a player I've not really been able to um, not really ask anyone this really and so, you know, what a loan moves like I mean is it I so see if you get several in your career I mean luckily they've all been fairly close as well I mean geographically that is sometimes important if you want to stay close to family and that but I mean, how does the move start when you hear about it? Is, is it much of your decision or is it just a case of like, fine, I'll go?
1: Yeah, um, I think it depends what stage of your career. I mean, when I was when you are young, so it's just you're not going to play in the first team or you're not in a first team picture. So you just want to go and play men's football. So that stage it's sort of like, you know, it's going to be the lower leagues, maybe depending on what level you're currently playing at. And yeah, at that point, it's just you just go, I don't know, you just maybe the club feel you're ready for a loan move because you've outgrown the 23s and the youth team. So they feel um, a stint in men's football is going to benefit your career. Or sometimes the player gets restless with not getting the chance and, you know, they go to their agent or they go to their youth team or 23s manager and just say, I'd like to go out on loan. So it's a bit of both. And then I suppose the clubs and the agents then work together and put out feelers to anyone who is who wants a loan in. because although we're not trialled and trusted, there is a hot, it is a hot little, shall I say, how can I put it? Getting loan boys in it, you're not paying no full wage. So it can be a bit of a free hit. And most of the time, boys do well when they go on loan. It doesn't always work out, but if it does work out, you've got a good player for a fraction of the price you would have paid for someone else. So yeah, that's how really our loan would work, I imagine. Now I think you've got loan managers within clubs who oversee all the loan players and that's their role. So I'm not sure how much it's changed, but, you know, it's normally agents, player, club work together to get the best loan move for the player at that time.
0: And with that, with with Colchester and Portsmouth, with that kind of sandwich move in between, I mean, obviously you're back down in Easty now on the South Coast and we'll get to that. But um, was there, because Colchester didn't work and we'd go back, there was of experience I mean was it always back of your mind like it's all right here but if so and so comes up I'll probably like to go there was was that a, a good six months or was it one that kind of felt it's a stepping in between the inevitable
1: do you know what I was at that age where I'd had that good month or so at Colchester I'd been at Sutton and Eastbourne before on loan so I would enjoyed men's football and I was really looking forward to going to Portsmouth you know it's a massive club it still is a massive club and because I had good experiences previously, you know, I was expecting to have good ones again, um, hopefully to hit the floor running and go again. For whatever reason, it didn't work at Portsmouth. Um, I was meant to be there for a year. Um, at Christmas, we had six loans in, so only five can be in the squad and I was the one missing out. Mm. So I sat down with the manager and I just said, look, if I'm not going to um, be playing or not in your plans, then can I go back to Palace? Because at that stage, you know, I need to be playing men's football. I needed to impress Palace. And sitting in a stand, I wasn't able to do that. So, yeah, it didn't go great at Portsmouth, um, which was a shame because, you know, I love the area. The club was great. People were great. Um, but that's football; one thing just don't work out. I wouldn't say I had a plan where it was a stepping stone or anything like that. It was that was my window to impress Palace and go back and hopefully play in their first team.
0: Eventually the move, you step way back to, say, Colchester. Um, you spend a year at Maidstone, and you end up where you are now at Eastleigh. 18-19 play of the year when you made the playoffs. I mean, what concentrated in the move there? I mean, how did the move come about? Because obviously the last few years, it has been, it's been sort of in a playoff push, promotion push with Stuart Donald's era. It's kind of slipped away a little bit. So what, what kind of sold you on, on the move there and coming back down south?
1: Well, I was at Maystone obviously for a year and we just survived. We had a good season. It was a good, great bunch of lads, but a few had moved on. And ideally I wanted to try and get back into the league, whether that was at Eastleigh or elsewhere. And at that time it just felt right and it seemed right. You know, it all made sense. Certain things off the pitch all made sense. So, yeah, we decided to sign at Eastleigh. I'd spoken with Hess and Tyler, the manager, and another boy, Josh Hare, had left from Maystone to go to Eastleigh and I'd spoken to him. So I'd heard good things about Eastleigh and I thought, why not? Um, a fresh start, a new opportunity to go in and impress again.
0: How's the missus find the moving between these clubs? Is she, uh, she perfectly fine with it? Family all, all right with it? Constant moving? Uh,
1: at that time, we, just, we had a one-year-old. Um, the eldest was one at the time. So we bought a place, we sort of bought a place down south and we sort of said, look, I'll go and commute. A hub where, wherever I play football, that's our home. And Mm. I'll just have to do the commuting because, like you say, she'd moved to Colchester with me, then back to, we went back home to Croydon. Mm. So there's a lot of upheaval and with the little one, I didn't want it to be all about me. You know, I wanted them to be the forefront of my decisions and then, you know, football, I can can commute to football every day if I have to or stay away for a few nights a week. So yeah, it was a family decision to um, get a base and then Mm. I'll do all the driving.
0: Makes sense. Good man. Good choice. In, in terms, of, so say, say with the, the last couple of seasons, obviously, um, been you know, obviously a, a difficult one uh, with injury problems and, and all that. First of all, how, how are you finding all that and, and coping with that? And I mean, what how do you rec- How do you rate the season has gone from a personal say road to recovery and on the pitch? How, how the boys are doing?
1: Um, I mean, like you say, for me, it's been frustrating. I've sort of had a goal in my mind the whole way through and it's been pushed back and pushed back and as a footballer all we want to do is play football so not be able to do that's been frustrating but you know my blog my family I've had things to keep me going and give me something else to focus on which has been really important I think I mean for the boys on the pitch I think we'd all agree that it's been a disappointing season for us um, especially after the last two years you know we've been in and around the playoffs and for whatever reason it just hasn't happened this year which is this it can be expected you know it's at our level, there's a lot of turnaround, a lot of players leave, a lot of players come in, and sometimes it just doesn't work out the way we hope. But you know, we've got a good bunch down there, and I'm sure next season the club will be pushing up again and pushing on to get back to where we have been for the last few.
0: As I said I used to live in um <clears throat> Southampton for six years and I've been Eastley a couple of times. I've I've always I've always liked it every time I've been down there to be fair. I was kind of looking forward when I was down there to get into the football league as a Luton boy when around league two, league one. I thought that would be perfect away day and it just didn't didn't work
1: well, out. <laughs> in the next few years it will
0: maybe come on let's manifest <laughs> it so yeah outside of, of your playing career you've, you know you've, you've started the blog fly on the ball um just the first off simple question is what got you starting it? i mean did you start just thinking oh let's just see how it goes if it takes off but yeah where, where did the idea come from
1: well initially when i was in this youth team at palace i wrote a blog for the lfe the league football education which just gave an insight into What was going on at the club at Palace you know how we was getting on the weekend if any boys were injured or how boys were doing and obviously that stopped when I turned pro and then I'd have I've had like a few injuries and I was sort of starting to contemplate football what I'm gonna do after football so I sat down with my agent and we were sort of going through the things that interested me the things that didn't interest me sort of things I could do whilst I was still playing and I mentioned to him that I'd started a blog well I had done a blog when I was sort of growing up and I've always wanted to work with the youth the next generation and give them back something that I've learned just for their own journeys whether that was in football or even if that was outside of football in the real world and you know I said okay I'll give the blog a go we come up with 10 ideas for the first 10 blogs and then about a week later I've done my knee really badly I know I'd be looking at a long stint so I thought you know now's the perfect time to really give this something um give it a go and see where it would lead and you know, from then it's just, I spent about three or four months just planning it, writing blogs up just to make sure it was ready to go, the website, um, logos, just really to making sure it was ready and perfect to go. And in August I put it out there and, you know, I'm really enjoying it. I think it's being well received um, and I hope it's helping not only players but parents and people with loved ones in the game.
0: It's interesting because I think I've been doing a bit, as I say, doing a bit of research and things like, you know, when you got the first call, it was, you know, the idea of like the limelight, the playing in front of thousands and, you know, being on TV. Um, I mean, is that when you started now, you've played years later, you're saying the blog things, you know, the realization of football, the, the ruthlessness of the industry. Is it like reading back and writing about the naivety of that? Is that, has any players like come forward, like messages, that, oh, that was brilliant, that's helped me in, in uh, my career?
1: Yeah. I mean, I get a lot of messages where from players just saying like, you know, I really resonated with that one today. Or, you know, that one was literally me five years ago. Or, quote, I remember doing that as a youth team player. So I get a lot of messages where I think we're all on the same journey. Everyone has their own different journey. But at the same time, we will experience similar things and we go through similar emotions. And I think for a lot of players who read it, I think it's almost like uh, proving to them and showing them that they're not the only ones that go through it. Because... Not many people experience or know how it feels to be in that environment. So I think when I'm now talking about it or discussing it, you know, people can relate to it. And I think that's big as well.
0: I say it's definitely because, you know, there's even things we, we see now even as supporters you get on the backs of players, or you know, you don't really know the insides of just the human beings that are wearing the shirt that you're just paying to see. You know, it, it's yeah. You know, what what, are, what do you what would you say are that the the hard realities of the football is? I mean, coming from like, your Premier League academy, you know, now in the fifth tier. It's the, I mean, the quality in the last ten years alone of the non-league structure has, has changed in, incredibly. I mean, what are the harsh realities? Is it you know, you go into different clubs, is the facilities are all different. I mean, what what would the yeah you know, realities of for the football be?
1: I mean, firstly, it's what everyone sees in the media and what is put out there by the media isn't the same for everyone. Like the boys at the top, the girls at the top, they are incredible at what they do and they earn an incredible wage for it. But further down the leagues, it's not the same. You know, we're expected to perform to that same level. We don't have the same facilities. We don't have, we're not receiving the same wages. Um, do you know what I mean? They are the best at what they do and there's a reason why they're the best at what they do. There's also, you know, injuries are a rea- reality. And also just... Day-to-day life, you know, we are footballers and we're idols. You know, like you said earlier, I looked up to players when I was growing up and I expected so much of them. But only now I'm a footballer, I realise that they were humans. And whilst I was berating them for making a mistake or not scoring a drop or missing a header, you know, a whole heap of things come into that. You know, you've got family at home, you've got decisions to make. So we are human beings as well. And that's probably the biggest thing I'm trying to get across because footballers are put on a pedestal and they're idolised all over the world. But at the end of the day, they are humans who have family, who have emotions and deal with things exactly the same way as a normal person in the real world would deal with things.
0: Is that is that a problem? You know, we've, we've seen it with, say, I've mentioned it before to, uh, to Chris you know, that the Harry Maguire problems you have at, that he has at the moment where anything he does, it's just going wrong for him. And it, I mean, I, I couldn't live with the lifestyle of being any sort of professional footballer. I think it would just, no, just get it to me. So, I mean, has there only been any days or games where you've, you've thought, It's really getting to me. I I can't, I don't really want to be here today. Is there any any of them kind of games or do you just really have to block it out and and push through it?
1: Um, I mean, a lot of it is just blocking out the noise. But I mean, when I was at Colchester, I had a period where I wasn't playing. I thought I should be playing, which every player would be. So I went and spoke to the manager numerous times and the excuse, well, not the excuse, the reason was always the same, um, which was fair enough. But, you know, it was, it was getting to a point where I wasn't playing. I was living away from family and friends. And it got to a point where I didn't want to play football anymore. Then the moves to Maystone come around. And, you know, my time, at, my time at Maystone was probably one of the best times I've had in football because, you know, it was just enjoyment. And I've got that love for the game back. So, yeah, you know, I've had times where it's been tough. The last year, for instance, as well, you know, I've had tough periods. But, you know, I've always wanted to do this job. And this has always been my dream. So I don't want to then give up on something. I have, through my own decision, I'd rather it be taken away from me, if that makes sense.
0: Makes perfect sense, because without your hands, there's nothing you can really yeah. do about it, isn't it? Um, exactly. But just to sort of wrap up a little bit, I mean, so you're, starting, you're doing your blog work, you're still trying to get back fit for the first team. I mean, what does, what is the future hold for yourself? What pro post-football are you going to be looking to get into? Are you going to stay in the game or take away from it a little bit?
1: Um, I mean, I've always, like I said earlier, I've always been interested in um, working with the youth and the next generation through my blog as well. Now I'm hoping that that will open up doors for me, whether it will or not, I'm not sure, but you know that I know now player care is a massive thing within football. And that really interests me, the player care side of things, you know, making sure players understand that they can come and talk to people or find out what's really going on. Just someone to just mentor them. The player care isn't something that I've really locked into, but for the meantime, I'm still a footballer. I still want to be a footballer and I don't want that to end. So the future hopefully it's as long as possible in football but at the same time i've got my post football head on and i'm trying to make little strides and take little steps into that world as well at the same time brilliant
0: well uh, hopefully we catch up at some point down in uh, down Eastley. alex thank you very much for uh, spending your time this afternoon highly appreciated it have a good one